where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. All right, folks, happy Sunday night. Happy Open Championship Sunday night. Sean. The come down is real. The come down is beginning. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Sean Zock, just down the street from his summertime abode here in St. Andrews, Scotland. We have just come off the course, uh, the old course, the oldest course. Cameron Smith is your 2022 Open champion. Sean, we have seen a lot of things this week. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, wh- where do you want to begin? Honestly, when I move back to Chicago, when I think back on this championship, when the years go by and I think back to this, we're going to remember Rory and we're going to get into Rory, but we're also going to remember those five birdies in that Cam Smith didn't miss. He didn't miss a thing on Friday and he didn't miss a thing on Sunday. And somehow he shot 73 on Saturday and that was the same golfer who won today. It felt like he blacked out on the back nine. He did not miss a putt. Like even that 14 footer on 17, you and I were back tailing Rory and we kind of felt like, okay, Cam Smith's going to give one back. He's finally going to crack. Something will break Rory's way. And even that putt dropped. Then on 18, like if you can go back and look at what Cam Smith did on 18, drive it up to the base of the, the Valley of Sin the putt from there is really freaking hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Like Paul Azinger thought that there was 15 feet of swing on that putt from where he was really aiming it to where it ended up to kick in range. Like the, the we thought Patrick Cantley putting at the BMW championship last year against Bryson was insane. This at a major is probably as good of a putting performance as we've seen from anyone in recent memory. I mean, the only thing it really reminded me of was Cam Smith putting at the players this yeah. year. Yeah, um, at the players, point. he birdied 10 through 13 in the final round. Today, he birdied 10 through 14 in the final round, and and some of those were awesome lag putts, and some of them were just bombs from you know 20 feet that went right in the middle. It's unbelievable. It seems it seems unsustainable. Like it it well, seems yeah. impossible, and then he just keeps doing it. Like yeah. putting from I mean on what on Friday. He made more feet of putts than anyone has ever seen in recorded golf history. <laughs> he made like 254 feet of putts, I think. Uh, I mean, look, we we play a lot of golf. It seems like when if you hit a good putt from 20 feet, it could go in, it could not go in. Like there's an element of randomness there. Yep. Cam Smith, when he's on, seems to eliminate all that randomness. He, he yeah. seems to have such incredible touch that he just finds the bottom of the cup. This is like one of the absolute beauties of, of the game of golf and of putting is that over the course of a year, like Cam Smith is going to be a top 20 putter on the PGA tour, but this week he was obviously top one. And today and Friday is the equivalent of like what Steph Curry and Clay Thompson do when they don't miss for an entire half and they pull up from 35 feet away and it just all goes in. And as a defender, you're like, okay, he's going to miss one, but he's literally one of the best putters in the world. And on at times they black out and they make everything like this. The, I guess that's what I think of is like, okay, that was a Steph Curry day. 
And if Steph Curry did that in like game seven of the finals, it would be cherished forever. It just so happened that like he did it to Rory McIlroy, man, to Rory McIlroy's yeah. greatest chance at a major in nearly a decade, in eight years. The last time he won a major was eight freaking years ago. And every single thing but what Rory did this week seemed perfect seemed in control it seemed quiet he used that word everything about my swing feels quiet like there's been nothing quiet about rory in major championships in recent years it's been either i don't i don't like my swing i don't like my coach i'm trying to treat this like it's nothing i'm trying to treat this like it's everything there's a you know a, a nine hole part of the round that goes awry there's four holes that go awry there's 18 holes that screw him over he didn't have any of that he still doesn't have any of that i tweeted out the fact that he shot 266s played in the final pairing on sunday played bogey free golf he hit into one bunker all week almost did what tiger did in 2000 by hitting into no bunkers yeah but what did he do from the one bunker he went into he freaking holed out like <laughs> If he improved you, on what Tiger did. Completely on paper, Rory beats everyone 10 times out of 10 this week. And he still didn't even finish second. He got yeah. beat by two Camerons. Like, it must be the most confusing, debilitating uh, result of his career. And why don't you just, like, explain to people what you saw after it ended? Well, I feel like our gravity has already taken us to Rory. I feel like <laughs> sorry, we should pay Cam Smith his due just like a tiny bit more, and okay. then we'll dive fully into Roryville. Um, Cam Smith, like, what, what, what is this? Who is Cam Smith? Yeah, I don't even know where to go with this. But Cam Smith, I'll start. He's he's now the number two player in the world. Uh, he won uh, while well, jumping Rory. I should add, which seems pretty mm -hmm. significant um and up from number six he won the players championship he won the century tournament of champions uh now he won the open championship he has gone from being a cult hero yeah. with a bunch of talent um but a an imperfect incomplete game someone that seemed destined to kind of sit in the 20s and 30s in the world yes, ranking for forever that's exactly right to now someone who is Damn close to Scotty Scheffler to becoming number one golfer in the world. <laughs> player of the year, potentially. Now he has the players this year, the Open Championship this year, and a, another win earlier this year. I think you're exactly right about where we kind of had pegged him. Uh, this guy from Australia, he might not even be the best Aussie, right? We still have Adam Scott. We still have Mark Leishman, who's a great player. Is he the best Aussie? Well, then he, he quickly became the best Aussie. But... You know, if you just look at where he was two years ago, he gets his first tour win. Then last year, he gets his second tour win and he gets a bunch of top tens. And then this year, he obviously wins three times now, bunch of top tens, barely ever missing the cut. Like it's been this kind of slow rise for him. It's now obviously peaking. Uh, he might peak even higher than this. We can't be sure of that. But he's he's just that's the slowness of that rise. <laughs> the pace at which it's happened has been so gradual that he's snuck up on people, I guess, you, you know, the players championship felt like he blacked out then, but it was a weird players championship. It ended on Monday night. Right. And it was chaotic weather all mm -hmm. season long. And, yeah. you know, Paul Casey hit into a divot uh, in the middle of the fairway and people thought Paul Casey would win, but no, it was Cam Smith who won. 
uh, it felt like a defining win that he could, you know, he could market himself off of just one player's championship win and still be phenomenal. Well, now, now that he's won a major, it's like, wait, crap. Could this guy, could this guy go any higher? Uh, I think that's kind of what we do after every major championship, but, but, um, he's still very young, right? Like this is a, this is more than career defining in a little bit. Well, I mean, it's clearly the biggest win of his career to date. Um, I don't know if PGA Tour would love me saying that, given the status of the Players' Championship, but uh, this is definitely number one. I think in some ways the old course was uniquely suited to Cam's skills. He's not a good driver of the golf ball. Um, And while someone like Rory or uh, definitely Cameron Young could take advantage of being like prodigious drivers this week. You can also fake it a little bit off the tee. Yes. As long as you avoid disaster. Yep. As long as you don't hit it out of bounds, as long as you don't find a ton of pot bunkers, you know, you can kind of scoot it out there. And, um, and there's not a lot of scary tee shots, which is what usually seems to get in cam's way. When it comes to putting chipping and even approach game, he's elite in all three. Like he's a, he's, yeah. He's a very he's good iron player. Yeah, he and he gets it done. Um, he's he is like sometimes we lean on guys' nationalities as <laughs> you know caricatures of their games, but I think that it actually holds true. Uh, Cam Smith has this Aussie touch around the greens, and then just the most free flowing putting stroke. That yeah, when it's hot, it's red hot. Sean, he was asked about live in his winner's <laughs> press conference. He certainly didn't say he wasn't leaving. Yeah, I think the only thing I can say about Cam Smith and Live Golf right now is that there are rumors swirling. There's a reason he was asked that question. Um, and he, one, did not deny it. <laughs> he did not. He basically said, look, I just won the British Open. I won the Open Championship. I don't think that's a very fair question for you to ask me right now. Mm-hmm. And even if it is a fair question, I'll answer it by saying I've got people to handle those decisions for yeah. me. Um the interesting thing that I see when it comes to Cam and Live Golf, I'll be quick with this, is just that a week ago at the Scottish Open, I'm caddying, I'm down, I'm down the range from Jordan Spieth and next to Cam Smith. Like Joel and I are warming up. Mm-hmm. I'm not warming up. Joel is warming up next to Cam Smith. And there is a report that comes out of Golf Monthly. Now, granted, like Golf Monthly, I wouldn't say is one of like the top five golf publications like there that's kind of it feels like a bit of a random report mm-hmm. if we're being honest but it was random enough Australia like that it was enough yeah that jordan spieth responded to it mm-hmm. his agent was out there jay danzy gets you know he gets word of it colt nose goes down the range and says hey jay what's with this golf monthly report oh interesting so that happened in real time that happened in real time and jay danzy has to tell Jordan and Jordan ends up tweeting out a response to this report. And the, basically the report said Cam Smith and Jordan Spieth are linked to live golf. There are a couple other names included in the report, but those were the two big names. Jordan Spieth says, this is completely bogus. This is BS. Jay Danzy demands a retraction Mm -hmm. of golf monthly gets it. Cam Smith doesn't say a thing, right? It felt very odd that one player on the range, maybe 50 yards from another player, are linked together in this report. One player says this is completely bogus. The other person says absolutely nothing. That's all I'll say about Cam Smith and Live Golf. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that it would be fair to assume from what we know now that at the very least he has not ruled it out. Yeah. Um, and you know what? There's also numerous players like that. Yeah. So this doesn't make him unique. But what is unique <laughs> is that he's now the open champion. He's the number two golfer yeah. in the world. And uh, the next, well, yeah, there's not a lot of top 10 golfers in the world that seem like they could be headed to live. So sure. that would be significant. Let's go down the leaderboard a little bit, Sean. Let's talk about Rory. Yep. Um, we really it was a little cliffhanger when I asked you earlier to explain what you saw. You were one of a handful of people who saw it um, from Rory right after his presser. What was his presser like? I was not in there. Well, look, his presser was was good. It's always good. Um, Rory dealt with losing in real time about as well as you could, right? Like he he knew that he had lost. He really knew that he had lost once he missed his putt on the 17 and Cam Smith made his yep. two putt on 18. So once he was down two heading to 18, that was pretty much it. It was going to take a half court shot. It was going to take the eagle that Cam Young but, had just made right but in front of him. Like So when Rory misses that putt, he walks to the 18th tee. Yeah. It's not crazy that he would make three and cam smith would make four from valley of sin yeah yeah that's not i don't know if that's like a half court shot not to like no no, no but well but cam smith had had like cozied it up to like two feet at okay. that point by okay. the time rory missed like cam okay made his putt basically right after that mm-hmm. so by the time rory steps onto the 18th tee like he's processing this loss already yeah he's walking up the 18th fairway the crowd is just trying to carry him, yep. but it's this mix of emotions, right? It's like, oh, yeah. it's like sadness. It's still encouragement because they want to see a miracle. They want to see him chip in. But it was going to um, take an impact. Like, it's gratitude yeah. too. It's like people want Rory to know, thank you for what you did yeah. for us this week. And honestly, look, it was good that me that you and I followed Cam Smith for a little while on Sunday because it was a reminder that, yes, there actually are some people out here rooting for Cam. Maybe it was mostly like the few Aussies in the crowd plus people that had bet on him. Sure. And this isn't to say that people don't like Cam Smith. A lot of people like Cam Smith. But the overwhelming support for Rory was um, something to behold. Yep. So anyway, he, he processes this in real time. He runs his chip way by getting too aggressive with it. Pretty understandable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you it's wrote an about impossible this. shot. Yeah. It's, it's just basically impossible to make that you'd have to land it in the perfect place in the upslope, uh, die it into the hole. He takes off his hat. He thanks the fans. He, he, you know, cheers for them. He shakes everybody's hand. He goes through TV uh, NBC, Sky Sports, comes in, talks to media, wears it, talks about you know how much good there is to take out of this, and and he's not wrong about that. But as he finishes, and uh, this is how I started my story about the day today, walks out the back of the media tent, and uh, his wife Erica is waiting for him, and he just loses it. I mean, he just, you could see finally this was public Rory exiting into Rory's real life. This is, yeah. this is his reality. It, that something, you know, he said it himself, this is not life or death, but something that he has wanted for so long 
and that so many other people want for him yes. and have wanted for so long, he carries all of that weight on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you could just see like this release and uh, yeah. they got into this cart and they were driving away together. And Rory just put his head on Erica's shoulder and was just, he was just sobbing. I mean, he was, he God. was devastated. It It was heartbreaking to watch. I, I wish mean, I could have seen it. I know this is this is golf like we cover a relatively inconsequential thing but that that scene is about as emotional as I've seen. Yep. I it's crazy when um I guess listeners at home they like listen to us read the stories that that we write um they watch a lot of the golf through their television screens and they get to see like a decent amount of the action inside the ropes but on, on occasion there are things that happen outside the ropes that that will stick with us forever. And so, I mean, I actually saw Rory's hole out on 10. Like I got out there on Saturday for the Epic Eagle from the bunker. Yeah. And I remember thinking that's going to be one of my like lasting memories, maybe in my golf writing career, seeing that happen, seeing this guy do that at the old course, like that dude hit that shot on that hole at the old course. Um, and now I probably won't remember it forever quite as much as you remember Rory sobbing. And I mean, you will remember Rory sobbing more than you'll remember Cam Smith's putting, I think. You'll remember the him, him, him sobbing more than you remember maybe Tiger's like walk up 18. Like it's not that these things are like competing for your memory, yeah. but like that is the defining moment of the open at, at the old course. Yeah. I mean, we're suckers for sentimentality, right? So there are moments throughout Rory's career where he, where he is broken down crying and all of those are very memorable moments. You think back to Portrush in 2019, yeah. God. Uh, my only other open that I've been to where Rory didn't even make the cut, but his chase for the cut was uh, yep. so admirable and so emotional that it captured the spirit of the whole town. And then there was the Ryder Cup where Rory didn't even win a, po- uh, win a point until the last match. And broke down there um i think he he's like a proxy for invested golf fans because he he gives us permission to care a lot about it because he clearly cares so much about it and i think yeah that that's a that's a powerful thing well i actually wrote a it's funny i wrote about like the fans supporting him two days in a row like that's nuts <laughs> yeah um and one of the things i wrote saturday is that he is for sure just like you know, if we had to place a high school superlative to him, he is the best golfer to bring home to your parents. <laughs> He's got manners and morals and he listens and he and he answers eloquently like he does so many things right. When people do that, it doesn't matter if they win a lot. You just have no choice but to root for them. And when they obviously like come up short and they continually have eloquence and manners and stuff. You have no choice but to just expect it. This It's going to happen for him. And I think one real truth of golf is it doesn't always happen. Like, you know, this could be the next major Rory could be hurt. The next major he could be in a much different place. The world of golf could be in a wildly different place. Um, it felt like there was something special happening for him and the town and Something did special did happen. You know, a guy shot 64 on Sunday. Cam Smith finished with six birdies on his back nine, five of them in a row, shot 30 on the back. And I, I told you this when we were walking home. 
if it's anyone other than Rory finishing second, maybe Spieth would conjure up that kind of like emotional, like, oh gosh, we love this, but we don't mm-hmm. love this reaction. Uh, if it's anyone else, we're treating this as a like historic moment for Cam Smith, for Australian golf, which it definitely is, but we wouldn't be talking about the second place finisher not quite nearly as much. Um, yeah. And the whole week, the whole week, I actually wrote this today. Like the marketing promo for this event, the 150th Open, was everything has led to this. And mm-hmm. it felt like Rory walking up 18. <laughs> everything in the week has yeah. led to this. Um, I'm like, I, I tweeted about it. I feel like I'm a little bit still in shock that like it played out the way it did. I was talking, you, you and I have had so many conversations, and I was just convinced that Rory was going to win. That we were going to last see. week on this podcast, you said he was going to win. Yeah, I also said he's going to open up 66, 68. And he did that. <laughs> he did that. But I was convinced as part of that that there would be ridiculous scenes on 18, that people would be jumping over the burn, like just as it happened for Tiger Woods in 2000 when he played the greatest golf that the world has ever seen. And that that stuff still happened. People were jumping over the burn today. Guys were jumping in and out of the burn today. They're they're like bulging. They're pushing back members of the British Royal Army. Those are the marshals out there in red are like literally army members. Yeah. And it was all happening. And it somehow still Those didn't. Those guys are scary. Yeah. And it somehow still didn't end in a Rory victory. That's what is so confusing and, and uh, just. It was, that's what will be mystifying to me forever. It's funny. Well, and first of all, people who are like annoyed at all the media attention centered around Rory and probably less so on Cam Smith. Like if you're frustrated by that, I get it. I yeah. totally, <laughs> I totally get it. I think you have a fair point. Um, I guess my only counter would be that if our job is to convey the experience of being on the grounds, that, was the overwhelming experience. Yeah. yeah. I remember in 2019 when Tiger won the Masters talking about the feeling of euphoria on the grounds. And and I remember it being like it being like being at a sporting event where one team uh where the home team had won basically and you're walking around the stadium, you're walking out, everyone's happy. But in the case of Tiger there was there were no opposing fans like there yeah. was no other side to it and today when rory came up short it felt like the opposite it felt like the home team had lost basically it felt like mm-hmm. and it's weird to think about that it's weird to be at a at a sporting event where everyone wa- is rooting for one result right mm-hmm. because the pressure of that is unimaginable and I mean, Rory having to bear that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was too much. He's human. Like, he is human. Uh, we know that. But he mentioned tonight that all week he's staying at the Russex Hotel, which is on the 18th hole. His suite has windows that look across the street at the gigantic grandstand that say 150th on the seats. And up above it is this golden leaderboard of which his name was at the top after 54 holes. And though he couldn't see it, his name was atop that leaderboard with a two-shot lead through 63 holes. And so he he has no choice but to look out the window all week long and think about what it would be like 
to have his name on the leaderboard and to have the RNA say, literally on the leaderboard, put up the letters that say, congratulations, Rory, see you next year at Liverpool. Unfortunately for him, it says, congratulations, Cameron, we'll see you next year at Royal Liverpool. Um, it, it was... It was it was it was a nuts scene. It really was. And um, at some point, we're gonna we're gonna get over it, and it just won't be soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rory is at the point in his career where his legacy can only be changed by winning one of these four events. Yep. And that's the beauty of them. That's why they're consequential. Or or not winning. Like if we're if his legacy is gonna change from mm-hmm. what we think of him right now. It's going to be moving forward about winning or not winning these yeah. events. And it could be, holy cow, he goes another five years without winning one. That's yeah. legacy defining too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially if he keeps playing this level of golf where he is effectively, if not the best golfer in the world, one of the three best golfers in the world. Um, and so if he continues to to occupy that role and continues to not win majors, the, I mean, the attention is not going to go away. But coming up short is going to be increasingly heartbreaking. Um, one more thing about just something that Justin Thomas said right before Rory went out today. JT finished. It's funny he he shot two under, and I saw the media official like say, "Hey, Justin, there's a couple guys here that want to talk to you." It was me and a, uh, maybe three other reporters, and he was like, "What what do they want to know about my like two under?" And he was kind of like thrown off by that but of course he has become one of the guys that we want to hear from we yeah. want to get his thoughts on on the week on tiger on saint andrews and of course on rory mcelroy and one interesting thing he said was um i think that it's really underrated to be able to perform with those expectations and that pressure um he talked about how how he has felt that that's been the toughest thing for him to adjust to. And he also acknowledged that he has only a fraction of the fans that Rory has, that's which, true. <laughs> which was like good self-awareness, especially over here. Um, he said, so today's going to be hard to win the golf tournament because it's hard to win a golf tournament. And it's going to be really hard for anybody, but especially Rory because of the amount of people that are pulling for him. So I thought that, that was interesting that he felt like the crowd support was actually going to make it more difficult. I think it did. I mean, Rory talked on Saturday night when he came in. He was he looked tired to me compared to Victor Hovland, who had just shot the same score yeah. as him with him. Um, he looked tired, more tired than Cam Smith, who had shot seventy three. Uh, and he was talking about how he wants to stay in his cocoon. You know, yeah. he wants to keep everything process oriented and if he slips if he thinks about the pressure if he succumbs to the amount of fans and to how much enjoyment and happiness you can gain from that scene he would maybe lose focus probably lose focus make a mistake you can't make a mistake at this golf course because well of course you could make a mistake slight mistakes but then you you're not necessarily guaranteed to get away from them um or get away with them and so I don't know. It, again, it's going to be a confusing result for him. I think he's going to have a hard time getting over it for a while. I'm yeah. guessing in the same way he had a hard time for a while getting over the 2011 Masters. And I think it's going to be hard for him to explain it away. It, he didn't do anything wrong. He just missed a few putts, right? Like yeah. he he had a strategy, the same strategy that Tiger Woods actually 
won 15 majors with. Well, and also like unveiled in a text message to John Wood, which uh, our James Colgan wrote about. But basically it was like play some, pick your spots is yep. essentially the thing and, and mm-hmm. execute on uh, the birdie holes and then play prevent defense on the other ones. He did that. Per- he hit 18 greens. He didn't really miss a two, shot. Like, two putted every green. It must have, it must feel like have felt like one of those dreams that you have. I'm sure you have these. I have them all the time where you're like, back playing sports maybe you're back at your high school playing sports or like for me it happens like when i'm i get like called up to play for the badgers (laughs) play basketball and i like can't make a layup it's like you've done everything right sean but like the layups won't go in Mm. or you know i have this golf dream too where i like can't get a ball on the tee like rory hey rory you're doing everything right you're playing controlled golf. You're doing exactly what Tiger Woods told you to do. You're hitting the par fives and two. You're two putting everything, picking your spots, but not a single one putt. Two putting every single green. He hit the perfect shot into 17. Drives it into the fairway, hits a tidy, tidy shot to 15 feet. Yeah. Just right of the hole. An impossible flag to get close to. And he just makes a bad putt. Yeah. Bad read, maybe. Maybe it was a good putt, but it's not going in. I think back to the Masters this year. Rory shot a ridiculous, what, it was 64? Final round? Final round, 64, bogey-free. To finish second. And he was never in contention to win the tournament. The closest he got was when Scotty Scheffler was playing hockey on the 18th green. But but the question for Rory was basically like, hey, why why don't you play like this earlier in tournaments? Like, Why don't you have this unbridled style of play, freewheeling, confident Rory why can't you summon that earlier in the week why do you just save it for when you're like just outside contention and he he sort of said like I don't know he also said he doesn't want to play his way out of tournaments but it was funny how this was the reverse in some ways he he played so conservative on Sunday that he allowed Cam Smith back into it and when I say played conservative I I don't really mean that like he played the the result was that he played safe golf and because he didn't execute perfectly on you know some short putts on taking care of uh one of the par 5s and a couple of the drivable par 4s he allowed cam smith to be in that chase position and when yep. he executed ridiculously that was the difference yep uh before we talk about anybody else and yeah. the rest of this week we should probably read some ads yes <laughs> haven't done that yet let's talk about radmore sean presenting sponsor i'm wearing my radmore sweatshirt and pants i You're just changed into one i was wearing a dress shirt all day super rigid probably mm-hmm. too tight for me probably a little overweight for that shirt and i switched into a nice radmore polo um that i'll probably sleep in tonight and i'll also probably play golf in tomorrow because these things are versatile sean we're going to get some gear to like give out to the people soon. We've got to do it because we've got to spread the word. Once again, all week, I heard from a couple players, from some fellow media members. People are asking about Radmore. It's time for you to get in on the ground floor because, look, Radmore is still just, still just a startup. Yeah. Not a whole lot of people know about it necessarily, but, God, the word is spreading. Uh, the logo is making its way into all corners of the golf world. 
Long story short, Sean, head to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com and enter code DROPZONE for 25% off the most comfortable, stylish apparel in the golf game. All right. Two more ad reads, Dylan. The first one would be Inside Golf, right? This is the deal we're trying to get people to sign up for. Just trying to give you value. We're asking for $20 in return. We're giving you so much. Again, all week long, Dylan and I have been obviously filing stuff for the website, golf.com. We've also been filing little tidbits into a newsletter that you get if you're an Inside Golf subscriber. You don't get it unless you subscribe. You pay your $20, you get a subscription to the magazine, you get discounts on gear in the pro shop, you also can come see us at events, free tickets to the Mm -hmm. events that we do. And then you get those free little tidbits. Like I wrote about walking the course yesterday with Bryson's caddy who I saw out there. Um, you wrote about, what did you write about in that in that area this week? Um, Sean, on Friday night, I mean, I, I was just writing about the fans and uh, the town of St. Andrews and uh, the effect of the course essentially being a part of the town uh, and how fans can kind of filter mm-hmm. out to lunch. They can come back. They can leave the course early and go get a pint and, and uh, just a little bit of texture on yeah. St. Andrews, the course and the town. Anyway, we it's it's sort of articles that wouldn't be full articles necessarily, but give you a little behind yeah. the scenes scoop. Josh so. Josh Sens, friend of the show, coworker of ours, he wrote about, he wasn't even here, but he got the scoop on how Hideki was blowing up, upset with himself on the practice range, not happy with how he was playing or how he was practicing, storms off, throws his glove in a garbage can. His caddy goes, grabs the glove, (laughs) cleans it off, and gives it to a couple fans who wanted some Hideki gear. Little things like that that you would never know, you would never see on TV, and people would never write about otherwise. That's what you get with Inside Golf. Golf Golf.com slash Inside Drop Zone. Golf.com slash Inside Drop Zone. Head there. Get it. Thank you very much. Uh, Sean, just briefly, I do want to tell you also about the folks at Fairway Jockey. We talk about golf clubs all the time. Sometimes people off the air say, hey, where's the best place to buy custom clubs? For us, the answer is easy because only one place offers the lowest prices on custom built clubs, and that's fairwayjockey.com. You can do your homework. No one's going to beat their prices. You can save 15% off compared to competitors. Uh, when you're talking about a bigger ticket purchase like golf clubs, that 15% can mean some pretty big savings. So build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. Sean, what else do you want to talk about? This was uh, a lovely week in St. Andrews. It's coming to a close. Yeah. Well, a couple things. I mean, if we looked on the leaderboard, you see Tommy Fleetwood at T4. Well, that- wait, <laughs> let's, let's get... Let's not look too far down the leaderboard because there's one person we've completely blown past. Mm. Do you know who I'm talking about? Any, uh, anything? Old, old old man Young. Cameron Young. Solo second. Gosh, if you told him this morning that he should shoot 65 on Sunday, he'd be like, uh, yeah. if you told him that he was going to shoot 65 and beat Rory? Yes, I was going to say, he <laughs> probably would have thought that he finished second. <laughs> um, but to Rory, nuts. I mean... This guy can't win, but uh, everything but, Sean. Genesis, he finished second. Wells Fargo, he finished second. If you go back to the Sanderson Farms, he finished second. PGA, he finished third. One shot outside the playoff there. Mm -hmm. Cameron Young is the truth. But he doesn't strike me as someone who's finishing second because of like 
very obvious mistakes. In the same way Tony Finau has finished second like endlessly plenty of times in his career. Yes. Cameron Young feels a little bit different. He feels like his whole game is there and it, it's going to add up like in the same way that Cam Smith had that gradual rise up the rankings. We started to gradually respect everything about him a lot more. Yeah. Cam Young feels a little bit like that. Weirdly, he's he'd been kind of Mr. Trick or Treat. He finished third at the RBC, second at Wells Fargo, third at the PGA, and then he fell off our radar because he finished T60 at the Memorial and missed the cut at the U.S. Open and the Scottish Open. So he came into this it doesn't on make sense poor form, but uh, you know, like Will Zalatoris, maybe he's just a major championship gamer. Yeah, he's 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 one of those kids who hits it a long way hits it really well and it's just like a birdie machine so at courses that are gonna help that thrive he's probably gonna be really good finish yeah really well hits um, the shit out of the ball i mean hits it just really far quote hits the shit out of the ball per dylan to chair tommy lad finished t4 i'm a big fan of tommy fleetwood i really am he has gone through a little bit of a valley in the past two years he has i guess he battled through like a weird covid break that not a lot of people know about he feels like he struggled through that more than anybody Mm -hmm. and it's taken him a long time to like get his swing back get his game back he played well at the scottish last week he's been like kind of slowly ascending this whole year and yeah he lost by six strokes this week but in the grand scheme of things, like having Tommy moving back up the rankings, a good thing. T4 last week and T4 this week, Sean. You know, you know what T4 gets you? What does that get Regardless you? Regardless of your world golf ranking, T4 gets you into all the majors next year. Mm. Which really good point. could sound like a live golf scoop. It's very much not. <laughs> like the world golf rankings are important to the future of live golf. Um but really, it just is like for a guy like Tommy who's not ranked in the top 30, hey, buddy, you don't have to worry about getting to the majors. You're going to yeah. be in all of them. And next guess year. what? Now he is going to be ranked in the top 30. So good. He's got that good going for, him. for him, too. Uh, Vic? No show. Ghost. Victor Hovland showed up on the first tee on Sunday, Sean, and that was about the last we saw of him. Um, I don't mean that literally. We actually kept seeing him because he was playing with Rory all day hmm. but he he just never really did anything that made it seem like he was gonna enter relevance at the golf tournament he he was he made all pars plus one bogey through 11 holes then he birdied the 12th promptly bogeyed the 13th and then you know just cruised in one bogey on 16 and the rest pars yeah disappointing but disappointing an an important week for him because he sucked in majors before this week yes really bad you know everyone is on their own trajectory as we have discussed like it is literally why cam smith took a while before he could win this week because he lost majors in the past he lost to scotty scheffler this year at the masters he lost to dustin johnson at the 2020 masters a lot of people say you have to lose a major before you win one this is the first time Victor was even close, you know? Yeah. I, I it's thought- hu- oh, yeah, it was huge. A very positive week for Victor. Um, unimpressive Sunday, but look, if he'd shot the same scores in a different order, 
yeah. we would have just said, look, this is nothing but good news for yeah. Victor Hovland yeah. going forward. I found it so funny talking to him after Saturday's round. He's all smiles. He just shot 66 alongside Rory, penultimate groups, earned his way into the final pairing. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, hey, it's kind of fun being out there uh, in in telling Rory good shot. You know, it was pretty jovial <laughs> nature between the yeah. two of them. They and had I, a good thing going on Saturday. That's yeah. for sure. And I asked him, like, when does that end? Like, at what point do, do you flip off the switch of being jovial with your playing partner when you're trying to win a major? Um, and he didn't really say, like, anything in particular. He said sometimes, you know, it just kind of casually stops. Um, there was nothing jovial for him to, like, respond to. They they both kind of sl- started slow together. One birdie for Rory on the front nine, none for, for Victor. And, uh, yeah. So it was kind of a, the exact opposite of what they had going Saturday. Definitely. Um, Dustin Johnson, Sean, is in an interesting spot in the golf world right now. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I almost wrote the story on Saturday. I think he could have been the most interesting golfer in the town um, because he could have crashed the party as the first live golfer to win a tour event after being suspended, resigning his membership, whatever. And, um, he, he played lackluster golf on the weekend, but it could be a sign of like his form, I guess. DJ felt interesting because if a live golfer wins the British open, live golf is going to freak out, right? Like they run leaderboards. They send out leaderboards on social media based on how their golfers are doing in the British Open in the US Open. And so to to have a live golfer atop the leaderboard is a big deal. And especially if he was going to battle against Rory, that was going to be a huge deal. It felt like DJ was going to be the first golfer to have his cake and eat it too. And he didn't get to do that. He kind of wavered um really all day all weekend long. Wasn't that much of of an actual playing golf of, of total consequence to the TV broadcast. I don't think they're filming a whole lot of his shots. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's weird now is like, he's not going to play a tour event until the masters. That's a long time from now. If you don't care about live golf and you refuse to watch that stuff, you won't see DJ for eight months. That was a bit of a theme, Sean. This was, I mean, this was like a tournament of endings, especially Sunday. <laughs> Paul Casey was talking about how, you know, look, he's going into his live career eyes wide open. He knows he might be done playing major championships. Um, he said that for him, you know, it's that's not necessarily of massive consequence. It's not a deal breaker at this point. But he said, look, for younger guys, that should really be a consideration. Um, Sergio Garcia. I think gave up his DP World Tour membership. That was reported. Yep. Inside, I think he said it in Spanish. So it was really our sources are just people that just understand Spanish. So uh, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. I mean, these guys were coming to terms with the fact that this could at the very least be their last time playing the old course in the Open Championship. And also, I think Sergio said, based on how everyone's been reacting, you know, maybe more than that. Yeah. It all, that all kind of trickled out during the final round of the open today. 
and reminded me that for most of the week we didn't have to think about live golf and then suddenly sunday as it was coming to a close those reports come out another report involving henrik stenson potentially moving yeah. to live losing his Ryder cup captaincy that trickled out right as the everything was ending uh and it's just a very blunt reminder of where we're at in the golf world right now like you can't have we can't have just good things <laughs> At some point, all these guys want so much money that there's still this civil war kind of brewing amongst it all. Like a lot of people read stories about Live Golf on our website this week because we frankly just said what players were saying. We were reporting what Taylor Gooch was feeling. That's being, you know, that's that's the discussion that's happening on the PGA Tour as as fun and endearing as Rory versus Cam Smith was, like that was simmering in the background. Yeah, it's brewing in the background, Sean. It it feels like I was just saying this to you as we were walking home from the course, which is in itself just a delight. <laughs> um, saying it feels like the end of school. It's like senior spring, major season's over. Uh, everything that we hoped would happen, that the players, more importantly, hoped would happen this year. Either it's happened or it hasn't happened, but we're now at that point. Ooh, Sean, that's the sound of drop zone correspondent Josh Burhau creaking his way through the door. Come on in, Josh. What do you got to say? Well, we have to give him a microphone. I'm going to give him mine. Yeah, that's why I asked. So Josh Burhau Josh, what do you have is to here say? wearing his Minnesota Gophers gear. Josh, welcome to the drop zone, and I'm hoping that you could tell us maybe your most memorable moment from this week. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I was hanging out downstairs answering Tour Confidential and Dylan said, hey, come up. We need that memorable moment. I could kind of hear you. You're right above me oh, anyway. so you were invited but... up here. You just didn't, you didn't just barnstorm in my room. Oh no, you didn't invite me. Dylan did. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why Sean looked at me funny when I walked in the room. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, memorable moment. Um, that's easy. I mean, two of the most memorable moments of the entire year came in the last, you know, couple days with yeah. Tiger, obviously, likely... A uh, St. Andrews send-off, and then Rory's heartbreak. Um, oh, yeah, we can't go too much on Rory's heartbreak. That's already heartbreaking enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for Tiger, it's um, we know he's won twice there. It's been such a huge part of his career. Um, everything he's accomplished there. He sets his favorite course in the world. Yeah. And I think, I don't think anyone is super surprised to maybe see it end on Friday. No. Um you know, there was some hope that he would maybe make the cut and make a weekend out of it. But in a way, I almost think that maybe it worked out a little better that he left on Friday. I don't think he was ever really going to contend to win. Yeah. So on Friday, Tiger kind of got his stage and then that cleared, you know, for the weekend and basically for Cam Smith, you know, to basically yeah. hold the clear at Chug. But yeah, Tiger, Tiger send off at... Uh, Tiger send off on the old course is my most memorable. I thought it was interesting that he walked in, in Tiger in very Tiger like fashion. He walked over this Wilkin Bridge and, you know, held his cap up in the air, mm -hmm. which in a way, you know, you ever you, you see guys like Jack and Tom and whatever. They'll stand on the bridge. They'll take their pictures, whatever. Yeah. Tiger didn't want to do that. He loves to leave the door open. He loves to keep you guessing. So it's his way of saying, hey, this is probably it. But yeah. I'm not going to tell you that completely. There's yet. time for that in the future. You know, when this happened, I couldn't help but think back to April when, again, I've said it on the podcast, when Tiger is 
signing for a final round 78 from Augusta National. He's being interviewed in the Butler cabin in Georgia. And he says, I cannot wait for the Open. Like, that's what he was looking forward to in April. That means that's what he was looking forward to in March and in February and in January when it, his whole, like, season started to crystallize ahead of him. He wanted to be able to to do this and to feel the Open, feel St. Andrews around him again. You know, I think a lot of times we wonder what these guys think, and Tiger so very rarely actually tells us. He was giving us clues to how important this whole week was to him. We got to see him play golf with Rory and Lee Trevino and in pose for pictures with Jack. Like that feels like a long time ago. It was only a couple days ago. Those photos are going to go across the street to the RNA world of golf or world uh, golf museum. Like that's how important this week was. And so we spent a lot of time about Rory and cam, but it was a seminal week in the entire world of golf. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important about tiger is, even if this was his St. Andrews send-off, it's not like we're never going to see him at St. Andrews again. Yeah, I mean, he'll be back. Jack was there this week, right? Like, Tiger's going to be a part of professional golf for a long, long He's time. He's an RNA member now. RNA member now, yeah. Right. So, that he joked on Friday. He's like, yeah, now I can actually get a tee time at the old course, meaning just reminding people that it's really hard to do that. Um, I, I was amazed on Friday being one of the very few media out there following phil mickelson home to see phil mickelson send off and how it paled in comparison to tigers tigers you tiger admitted that it felt like the entire tournament was there on 18 and he was right <laughs> like phil was essentially out on like the eighth hole as this was happening and it felt like the entire 18th grandstand swelled up to the to the same way it, it did when the tournament ended and you know, when Phil walked across the bridge, he buzzed across the bridge. He was behind Lucas Herbert's golf bag that was being ca- carried by his caddy. And I was just like, gosh, in any other world, we would have someone writing up Tiger's walk and we'd have someone else writing up Phil's walk and how special they were. I ended up writing about how awfully different they were. And, uh, I don't know. You can read about it on golf.com, but holy cow, it just is, is a little bit of a sign of like the world that is going to continue to come. You know, it's so bizarre. Even years ago, several years ago, Phil was always kind of second fiddle to Tiger, right? How do you think he felt on that Friday when Tiger was the talk of the town and Phil was just kind of under the radar playing in his very unfeatured it's gotta group? hurt him. He is a prideful man and I know his pride has been dinged like in an like irreparable way, but it, it truly has to bother him so much that at the home of golf, he doesn't get to take the same photos that people or, or have the same experiences. And once again, Tiger Woods is beating him. I mean, he's used to that, but it has to hurt. So Dylan, your thoughts on Friday at the open. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate (laughs) it. This is your moment to just tell people and, 30 seconds or less about your birdie at, on number eight at Ann Struther. So I don't know if Sean and Sean and Dylan haven't heard this yet, but the airlines lost my clubs. 25 seconds. That was a joke. I've been talking about my clubs that were lost this whole time. Uh, we seconds. went three iron, three iron, five iron to like two and a half feet, got the birdie. Seconds. It was a net eagle. 
I then made a four for a three on the par f- Ten par seconds. three ninth to uh, secure the half of the hole and the win of the match for Dylan and myself. Five, four, three, two, one. Thanks, Josh. And that was great having Minnesota you. correspondent. Sean, we plunged in the, nor- in the North Sea. Wow, <laughs> stumbling. That was fun. Sean, we plunged in the North Sea this morning. Uh, 56 degrees, I think we decided the water temperature was. We dunked. It, God, I was cleansing. This has become a little bit of a rite of passage for our uh, big time event coverage. Is taking a swim in chilly bodies of water. Um, I think I love St. Andrews, and when <laughs> I, I guess I shouldn't say I think I love St. Andrews. That's not a unique take at all. Um, people have been talking about that, but I, I don't want to make this sound like some sort of cheese ball thing, like. The golf here is really cool. We've been sneaking in a couple twilight rounds. It helps that you can play till after 10 p.m. right now. Um, But it also helps that every single piece of seaside land here is perfectly suited for a golf course. Like, yeah, St. Andrews is sick. It's cool they built it where they did. They also could have built it anywhere in town. Um, They could have had more dramatic sites for St. Andrews. For sure. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. St. Andrews is also, it's more bopping than I figured. I mean, obviously this week it's about, I don't know, 5X what it normally would be. But there's a ton of places to get a beer, to get a coffee. Um, the Scottish food scene, I'm not sure it's my favorite. But we've also been finishing like every night at about 11 p.m. or 1 a.m. So our options have been pretty limited. Yeah, it was cool to see you enjoy town in the some of the same ways I've been enjoying town. You know, getting scones at the cottage kitchen, getting drinks at the central bar, playing some of Lynx golf and having your game get absolutely ejected in a couple spots and learning, oh crap, like no, I, I have to play this shot differently because I'm in a different part of the world. Um I had a feeling that was going to happen, but sometimes these major weeks you get so caught up in coverage that you can't really enjoy yourself. That was the opposite of the case for us. We certainly enjoyed ourselves and um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast because coming up on an hour, Mark, Dylan, and we've done a lot of writing tonight. Let's podcast again soon though, Sean, because it's nice. It's a nice thing to do. Um, we're playing golf again tomorrow and between now and then we need to get a little sleep and we need to finally eat dinner. So thanks for listening y'all over and out from the open in St. Andrews and uh, we'll see you soon. Head over to golf.com. Read, read a couple things the fellas have typed out. See you next week.